Hello, Keepers! Welcome to November! Guess what? I'm sorry I did not put out an episode in October, but it was my birthday month and I was busy. <laughs> I was very busy getting ready to turn 35. Just a quick update on my life. I have officially become the girl who had sex and broke the bed. <laughs> which I'll get into a little bit more later. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Joe's Lube. Thank you so much, Joe's Lube, for uh, giving us all those tasty treats. They went wonderful at our first ever sensuality workshop. And guess what, guys? This month's guest was at our initial launch of our sensuality workshops. You have heard her before on our show. She is the host of the podcast there are no nice guys and she has her own personal and lifestyle blog please welcome back laura coronado thank you yay thank you (laughs) thank you for coming back thanks for having me back i'm so excited and i loved the sensuality workshop by the way thank you i thank you so much Uh, yeah everybody seemed to have such positive feedback from it so i'm stoked Mm -hmm. for the next ones keepers go to keeping it casual podcast.com to book yours. Um, so yes, yeah, definitely. So worth it. <laughs> I saw your face when I said something about my bed being broken. You were like, Oh, I don't think I told you this story. <laughs> like the last few times we've hung out. No. <laughs> so <laughs> on my birthday, I was having sex with my guy. And all of a sudden, we heard this like, <clears throat> and I was like, did my bed just break? And we, nice. We broke three of the four legs on my bed. Whoa. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so jealous. And we laughed about it and then continued the deed at hand. And now I have a bed that's like, it's still in the frame and I have like a box spring and a mattress. So it looks like it's made to be this way. Like the frame looks uh-huh. like it's made to be on the floor. It's just not like higher up anymore. Ah, <laughs> I don't have ah, an underneath. So you can keep the bed. You don't have to replace the bed. <laughs> no, no, I didn't think I thought it, but it was still just like a, oh, okay. But the next time we slept together on this bed, like, honestly, like it wasn't wobbly anymore. So it kind of worked out nicely. <laughs> yeah, the universe is looking out for you. It was meant to be. Yes. Have you ever broken the bed before? No. <laughs> um, No, but I have noticed that as the years have passed since my divorce, my bed is more wobbly than it was seven years ago. So Okay, so you need to screw in the pegs again or you'll be in a situation like mine because that's kind of what happened to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was going? already kind of giving signs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So um, Laura is back on the show because we were both listening back to the episode I put out in September with Liz Stone. And I got this brilliant idea that I needed to do more dating after divorce or dating after long, long, long long-term relationships, because I've realized that so many women, when they get out of these long-term, you know, 10, 15, 20 year relationships and they go back into dating, they do it in the most chaotic way ever. (laughs) And there's almost like a rite of passage. (laughs) maybe and I'm like I used my 20s to get through all the chaotic dating stuff and now I'm just like if you are chaos like red flag if I see those red flags Mm -hmm. right away like I know that it's only going to get worse as I go further down the line Mm -hmm. so 
I am very easy to end things very quickly, but somebody who's just getting out of a relationship and jumping into that next thing, they're probably not going to be so quick to end the chaos. Oh, that's true. That is so true because you don't know any better. That's why you don't know it's chaos. You don't know. You just think that's what dating is like. Exactly. You don't know it's chaos. You don't know it's any better. And you also probably do not know. Um, you probably don't know how to, uh, like, like you're, how do I say this? 95% of the time, if you're going through a divorce, there was probably some sort of chaos that ended the marriage, whether it be like as amicable as any divorce is, there's still parts that aren't amicable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's probably some sort of chaos Mm -hmm. that ended the relationship, ended whatever, ended the marriage. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that because you're so used to that chaos in your life right now that that's why you jump into the next chaotic thing. I don't know that that's the case. I think actually it's more like, okay, so you're right about there being some sort of level of chaos or trauma. I just, I'm just going to describe it as trauma because my divorce was amicable, Yeah, but it was still nonetheless traumatic because it was a 22 year marriage, a 25 year relationship. You know, it's almost like you're, you're cutting off a piece of yourself and then you have to transition into this new you. Um, But if you don't know what you don't know and you don't know that dating shouldn't be toxic and it shouldn't be chaotic and it shouldn't hurt and it shouldn't damage your self-esteem, it's just something new. It's a whole new experience. It's a whole new world. And you just don't know any better that it shouldn't be as bad as it can be when you just don't have the skills to identify that it is chaotic and that there are red flags. Uh, You know what? You said it so wonderfully. And you know what, Keepers? Because Laura and I are the experts now of dating. (laughs) We are the Vegas experts (laughs) of dating. We are. I have decided because I, I think there was a point where we were both on the apps at the same time and we were just in screenshots of like, major Mm -hmm. red flags back and forth to each other. (laughs) There was one time though, I have to say Laura has my back because she found a really cute guy on Hinge. It was before I started seeing the guy I'm seeing now. She found a really cute guy on Hinge and he had a cute profile, but you weren't interested in him. But you said, I think he'd be good for you. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Yeah. And then he never talked to you or something like that. Something didn't work out. But I was like, oh, my God, he's cute. Yeah, sure. Tell him all about me. Tell him about my fabulousness. Yeah, I think I I don't think he and I matched or anything. It's one of because, you know, Hinge, you don't have to match in order to send a message. So I think it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I really like your profile. You're not for me, but I have a friend that I think you'd be a good match. And he just didn't respond to that message because if you think about it that can be on off-putting like I don't like you but I think my friend might you know I mean that could be off-putting to a person and he's probably like why isn't your friend messaging me and you're like well she's not into dating apps you have to go find her somewhere (laughs) so are you on dating apps right now no I am super anti-dating apps right now you know I'm so against them I'm telling everybody to get off of them You know, it's crazy because I was until like I got into the dating situation that I'm in right now before I started seeing the guy I'm seeing, I was very anti the apps too. It was just kind of like, I felt they had run their course for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I, I feel like, well, first of all, the statistics show that 60% of dating app users, I think it's more than 60%, are men. So already women across the board are checking out of these things. Um, and then I can't prove this. I have no data. This is just my own personal opinion. But it seems to me that of the men who are on there, I would say probably a good 85% of them are pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. And maybe only 15% of them are, you know, good men. And it's just, it was bad for my mental health to swipe left on or have terrible conversations with really horrible people, like a hundred of them, just to end up swiping right on one good guy. It just wasn't worth it. I agree with you. It's It's so much easier to... It's not easier. It's much. It was much better for my mental health when I said, you know what? I'm sick of treating dating like I am looking for clothes on Amazon. Because that's really what it was. Yeah. It was just like, no, mm, no, mm, no. Maybe. Let's read the reviews. <laughs> you know what? I actually I wish dating apps had reviews on the guy. Like you could go leave a leave a comment like mm, worst date ever. <laughs> Zero stars. <laughs> I mean, I I've, I've heard of women forming Facebook Facebook groups kind of along those lines. So, yeah, women really are outing men and kind of talking to each other and giving each other reviews on men. <laughs> Okay, so I um so with all this, like we're coming, we're gonna pretend like I am a new girl coming into the dating world, even though everybody knows I'm not. Um, all the keepers know. <laughs> but like, if I was just like your friend getting out of a 15 year relationship, like, what's something you would tell me to look for? I would tell you not to look and instruct you to go straight to a behavioral therapist or a talk therapist. And um, I would say don't date, do not date, don't even have sex for at least a good six months. Go to therapy and work on yourself and just stay away from men. I really, really, really love that because I have, um, I just have people in my life that immediately want to jump into dating and they don't, they don't see how easily manipulated they are when they're in that vulnerable of a situation even if you're the person that ended the relationship you're still in a vulnerable position Mm -hmm. used to having somebody there you're used to having that person and then there are so many and i I'm, i'm gonna say men but there are women out there that do this too who will find you in this vulnerable situation and prey upon it Yes. And you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It, they, then that's when the love bombing starts. And they're like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. you're the greatest thing ever. Come meet my family after, you know, I've only known you for two weeks. And I want to tell yeah. everybody how wonderful you are. And, of course, you're like, I am wonderful. So, yeah, I do want to do these. Mm-hmm. I want him to tell the world how wonderful I am. Because maybe you weren't getting that from your previous partner. Mm-hmm. But, exactly. <laughs> but... When you're in that vulnerable situation, you don't recognize love bombing as love bombing. You don't recognize the red flags right then and there because you're sitting there going, oh, well, they love me and I didn't feel loved by my previous partner. So this must be the right thing I'm doing. Yeah, because it feels good. It feels good. And obviously, we all want to feel good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. And that's what, that's what lures you is because it feels good. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming out of a divorce or breakup, it felt bad. That relationship felt bad. That's why you're getting a divorce or breaking up. So then you start meeting men who make you feel good sexually and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And you think that's what love is because you've been love deprived and now you're feeling something that, Hey, this has got to be love. But what you don't realize is that what you're actually experiencing is manipulation and predatory behavior and even control. You know, and I've noticed in my own breakups that the rebound relationship that I get into tends to be more dramatic and more, I don't know, dramatic and like, I'm just going to stick with dramatic more dramatic than the last relationship Mm -hmm. I was in because I'm in that weird transition phase and I'm kind of at least a little bit used to having some drama that I'm like, oh, well, this is dramatic and passionate and there's so much passion between us. So we must really like each other. And then when they don't really like me, I'm like, but I'm great. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I often think that that heartbreak and that, you know, that disappointment that you feel when you recognize that the next guy doesn't like you as much as you like him, that disappointment and heartbreak feels worse than the original heartbreak that you just come out of and the, or the original divorce. It does. It does because you are in, Mm -hmm. you're jumping straight into this head first, like you're jumping right into the deep end and you want to feel deeply about anything again, because you might not have felt that for I don't know, however many years in your relationship. And going from there, it's like, well, we have so much passion between us and I'm great. And the heartbreak is just even worse because you never actually dealt with the original heartbreak. <sighs> exactly. That's, you know, and I said that on a podcast just recently is that, you know, you were coming out of a situation where you're broken and the next person who you get into a relationship with, especially when it's immediately after that breakup, that person breaks you even more. And that's why it hurts even more because you were already broken. And now this person is just breaking you down even further. So when you got out of your marriage, I know you went back into dating pretty quickly. I remember we talked about this in the first episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have that Mm -hmm. sort of situation where you fell really, really hard for your rebound really fast? I did. Yeah. And, and and I so I want everyone to know that this is typical and it's common. Like you shouldn't if we're making it sound like we're talking about you specifically, don't feel stupid. No. Because all of us have gone through it. And that's why I said earlier, it's like a, a rite of passage, right? Like it's just part of it. I would prefer to protect every woman from this. Mm-hmm. But it's more common that we do go straight into falling in love, getting into a relationship, getting, you know, wound up over some dude. And, and I did that. And, you know, what made me feel stupid, and, and I'm not stupid, but what made me feel stupid was that this dude outright told me, All he wanted from me was to fulfill his sexual fantasies. He didn't even try to love bomb me, manipulate me, lead me on. I mean, this dude was like, I just outright want to use you. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do this. And that's the dude I ended up falling for because I probably figured that at some point he was going to fall for me too. And of course that didn't happen. You were like, my pussy is so bomb. He's going to fall in love with me. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, even with the whole fantasy, when he's like telling me you're my fantasy, when you are coming out of a sexless, loveless marriage, and here is this extremely handsome man with a huge cock telling you, you're my fantasy, you're my ultimate fantasy. How do I not at that moment convince myself that that's what love is? And God, that's a great question. You don't, you don't. You're thinking, because we often confuse sex with love. Um, Mm -hmm. And, And the compliments, the compliments that come along with it. Yes. Were you, did you guys share anything personal between each other? Like, did he tell you about his life? Were you intimate outside of the bedroom? Yeah, that's the thing is that another, why it would also be confusing because he would let me into his world and his life and he would share with me. So how can you be physically intimate with me? How can you share your hopes and dreams with me and not want to be my, you know, husband number two? Like how, how could that not have gone that way? It didn't make any sense to me. You know, I, I find it interesting. I've realized one thing through my years of this. Um, the last really, who you, you actually, you met him recently, my last rebound. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's true. You did. You met him recently, my last rebound. Um, he did very well at keeping me because he was going through, we were each other's rebound. He was going through a really traumatic breakup when I was going through Mm -hmm. a really traumatic breakup, but he was doing very good Mm -hmm. at never including me in his life. Really? Like I didn't meet his friends. I didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. we sit there and we would Mm -hmm. talk about our personal stuff and we would be in each other's arms and we would do this and we would do that. And we had these great conversations, but it was like if we were hanging out, it was on my turf with my friends and my this and my that, my job. Mm-hmm. And it was never in his life. And now that we're actually just friends, I am more a part of his life than I was when we were hooking up. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like that's something to look out for too. Like if they're not including you in their life, it's probably not going to go anywhere. Well, I'm going to go the other way, too, because it can also happen where he quickly introduces you to his friends and he quickly introduces you to his family. And then that that, of course, is love bombing. So, you know, what would happen to you and I with the rebound guys? They obviously were not love bombing us at all. Did not even did not even give a fuck enough to love bomb us. Nope. Then there's other manipulators. (laughs) There are other manipulators and predators who you know, use love bombing as a, as a tactic, as a technique to sort of um, win some control over the person that they're trying to manipulate. Yeah. I had somebody tell me this story where they were like, I was texting with them and then they stopped texting me. They stopped replying. And the next day they texted me and they were like, sorry, I was with my new guy. He doesn't like when I'm on my phone too much, which I understand to a point. Because I don't like to be on my phone when I'm with people. Like, even when you and I go on our, um, like, our friend dates, I don't, like, constantly want to have my phone Mm -hmm. out. I think that's rude. However. Yeah. So I get that. However, I just kind of made some joke. And I was like, oh, well, tell him I'll definitely be at the wedding. He might not be. Because it's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. And she then replied and said that, 
he makes her feel bad. He made her feel bad because he was like, I feel you're getting distant, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, how long have you been seeing this guy? She said, we've known each other a month. And I went, <gasps> no. Whoa. Yeah. And I just went, I, I saw the red flags. It was a sea of red flags. There was a circus going on in, in my mind with just that comment alone was so many red flags being raised. And then she told me, that she had already met his family. And I was like, and you've only known each other a month. And I was like, sweetie, that's not normal. And I know they always try to say like, mm -hmm. there's no time limit to how you like feel about a person and how you love somebody and this and this and that. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. Like sometimes you fall fast and hard and sometimes you don't. Yeah. And that doesn't negate the fact that you love somebody, but you also have to watch out for the fact that this person just got out of a relationship. <laughs> mm -hmm. um and he found her when she's in a very vulnerable state and i'm looking at this as love bombing as soon as you're like oh meet my family you're so great and then it's like you're distancing yourself from me just because like somebody's on their phone texting their yeah texting their friend um mm -hmm. that's that's a problem i feel like oh for sure but you know i have to point out something to you i mean she's sharing this information with you this is her passive way of getting you involved in this because she herself is feeling suspicious oh yeah and i immediately she, was like Don't. she wants you to speak up <laughs> yeah she wants you to speak up and say stuff she wants you the only thing is that it needs to be her responsibility to end this relationship with this guy oh yeah but um if she's telling you this it's because she herself has her own suspicions of this guy oh yeah for sure i mean when when she told me that i was like well luckily it's only been a month so it's easy to get out of it and she oh, was, good oh, yeah good. that was my first comment and she was like well what do you mean and i was like mm -hmm. i was like mm, this doesn't seem right and she was like i don't know how to date because she had been in a yeah. relationship for so yeah. long and i said well lucky for huh? you i've made all the dating mistakes like i can tell you how to date <laughs> yeah let me here. Let me just make all the decisions for you so that we can make sure that you don't get love bombed and manipulated. Exactly. I can help with that. I can't help with anything else. Like, obviously, I'm not great at that. But <laughs> oh, would you say you've ever been love bombed and manipulated? Oh, every all of it. I have been all of it. I have been used. I have been love bombed. I've been manipulated. I have been bullied. I've been harassed. I've been stalked. And I have been threatened. So all the bad shit that can happen to you um, once you're a single woman out in the dating world by yourself um, has happened to me. And I think that I could have reduced all of that by if I had simply gone straight into therapy and not dated for at least a good six months. Would you say that going into therapy and finding love within yourself first, as corny as that might sound, helps you date better in the real world. Oh, for sure. For sure. Here's something that no one ever tells you. When you finally go into therapy to focus on yourself, you will then learn that dating is so fucking insignificant. Like all of, all of this pressure you're putting on yourself to date, to find the right guy, to meet healthy men, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden it becomes so mundane and insignificant to you because 
the relationship you develop with yourself and all of the benefits you see from that will outshine and outweigh dating. It'll still be a part of your life. I'm sure I'm still open to dating. I'm not dating anyone right now, but I'm certainly open to it. And my heart is open. Mm -hmm. But it is such a small, minuscule part of my lifestyle. And so going to therapy isn't going to suddenly solve all your dating issues. What it will solve is all of the other inner, internal, emotional, and mental issues you have, and then everything else will fall into place, including dating. You know, I I completely agree. Once you learn to love yourself, I've been in therapy for so long, dating becomes a lot easier. And it's not like it's easier to find a guy because it's not. Mm -hmm. It becomes easier because you are aware that if you lose this person, you will be able to move on and continue to live your life. Yeah, that's you don't you don't become so anxiously attached to everything and to everyone. And I had very anxious attachment. And I remember earlier this year, probably about February this year, I was on your podcast. And then off mic, I was telling you about something, um, just a person I had a big crush on and how there were a lot of things making me pause. And I thought it was me pausing because I have this anxious attachment. And then I found mm-hmm. out why what the universe was actually making me pause on. And it was something completely different. But um, mm-hmm. what ended up happening is last week and when we were hanging out and we were talking about the guy I'm seeing, I said, you know, I'm at a point right now where I deeply care about this person, but I know I'll be fine if he's not around. And that yeah. is one of the most powerful feelings in relationships. Oh, definitely. Because it, it takes the power out of the other person's hands and the power is all completely in yours, which is where it should be. Exactly. Exactly. And that's something when you guys are getting out there dating for the first time, obviously after your six months of therapy, at least, um, <laughs> <laughs> after that, um, you just need to make sure that you hold your power and you don't completely surrender every single thing you have to one person and then go through the cycle of codependency over and over and over again, which I have done so often, (laughs) so often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it took me having a really good relationship that ended just because, not because they did anything bad, not because I did anything bad, but just because it wasn't working. Like there were a lot of Mm -hmm. um, intimacy issues that weren't happening. and mm-hmm. he's still a good guy. He's not a bad guy or anything. It took me yeah. coming out of a good relationship, walking away from a good relationship, even though just knowing it wasn't good for me. It took me leaving that to realize like, oh, not everything has to be so codependent and dramatic and this and that. And that's when I realized like, I can handle any sort of dating that comes my way. No, not sociopaths. I'm sorry. I'm taking that back. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can handle walking away from a real like somebody who's great just not great for me I can handle walking away from somebody who's really bad too I guess is really where I needed to go from that with really where what I wanted to say there (laughs) well hopefully you're no longer attracting really bad hopefully you know and this is part of the whole thing about therapy and why I am encouraging that over going into dating immediately your picker 
Well, okay. My picker was broken, but when I came out of dating, I didn't even have a picker. I had like a little tiny nub of a pick, you know, (laughs) like you have to form your picker. You have to form that tool that you use to decipher. This is who I want to date. This is not who I want to date. And when you're coming straight out of a long-term relationship, you don't have that tool at all. You'll date anyone and everyone who pays attention to you, who gives you compliments, who makes you feel good about yourself. And most of these people who are doing that are full of shit. They're only giving you compliments and they're only trying to make you feel good about yourself in order to use you, in order to manipulate you, in order to get whatever it is that they want out of you. They're they're insincere, but you don't know that. And it's not your fault that you don't know that. And that's why I'm advocating for therapy so much because it's in therapy and it's in this discovery of self-love that you will develop your picker and you will pick better man. And I think for you, Bree, as you've entered a new phase in your life where moving forward, you will only ever pick good men. Ooh, I like that. I think so too. I mean, I, um, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> I'm not worried about me. Now I have to worry about every other woman going out there in the dating world. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I do too. So I actually found an article that had a bunch of like red flags to look out for in your relationship. And I'm going to read a few of them and I want you to kind of comment on them as well. Okay. All right. So number one, they make you feel bad about yourself. Oh, definite red flag. That person's a piece of shit. Get rid of them. Don't even let them finish their sentence. Bye. Yeah, just walk away. Just walk away if they're like, I I remember distinctly, I'll use this as an example. I was breaking up with somebody and while we were dating the whole time, he always talked about how he loved how like I, you know, when we would go out in public, I very much like took care of myself. My hair was always done. Like I always did my makeup and I dressed really nice because I felt that I was going as a partial representation of him when I would go out Mm -hmm. with him to see Mm -hmm. his friends and do things with him. And when we were breaking up, he told me, I always feel like a fucking slob next to you because you have to do, you know, your makeup's always perfect and this and this and that, and you never have a hair out of place. And I was like, oh, this is news to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but like now I laugh at it because I think he's a moron. But at the time, yeah, that really, really, really affected me because I was like, I mm-hmm. do this for you. Yeah. So watch out for stuff like that, guys. Um, um, number two, they have you <laughs> number two, they have you second guessing their feelings towards you. The second you think, oh, maybe they don't like me, I'm sorry, cut it off. <laughs> I mean, I honestly believe that's your intuition. Whenever you're second guessing their feelings for you, that's you're picking up on their secret messages. So there's some sort of thing going on there and your your intuition is picking up on it. 100%. I like this one. They don't listen to you. Yeah, no, definitely huge red flag. I mean, they don't give a shit about you. If they aren't listening to you, they don't give a shit about you. Exactly. And honestly, like, I talk so much that if somebody like doesn't get every single thing that I say constantly, I understand. But if they don't remember a big gist of things, then that's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Like for the, sure. guy, the guy I'm seeing now, he, I have this like ongoing joke. Cause he'll like, I'll tell him stuff and then like, he'll forget because he's a human 
and humans forget shit sometimes. <laughs> and as soon as I remind him of it, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I remember you saying that. But I'll, ju- I'll joke around and be like, mm-hmm. you didn't put that in the journal of everything Brie says all the time because you need to keep your journal updated. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he, I know he listens because of certain things that he does. So keepers, um, I don't think I talked about this, but I'm published again. I am published in a really great book. I will put the link in the show notes. And um, I have three pieces published in it. And we did a, like a big book launch party out here in Vegas and um, I got to read and everything and he wasn't able to be there because he had to work that night well Mm -hmm. I think it was that evening or the next evening I can't remember but he came over within that weekend and he brought me a Beetlejuice journal and told me to never stop writing (laughs) so obviously see so he's remembering the important stuff exactly writing and my love for like horror movies and all that stuff. So can somebody remember every single thing that you say? Obviously not. Look out for signs like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those green flags when it comes to them listening to you. Mm -hmm. All right. They don't support your goals. What do you think of that one? Definite red flag. I mean, to me, someone who doesn't support your goals doesn't respect you. Have you ever dated somebody that you feel didn't support your goals long term? Um, No. No, every, every man I've ever dated, and even my ex-husband, um, they were all fans. That's good. That's really good. I can't think yeah, of any. I think that's important. I can't think of anybody that didn't support my goals that I've dated, but I've definitely had like friends that didn't support my goals and they were fine to get rid of too. <gasps> mm-hmm. So it, obviously, keepers. This yeah, is- I, can't, I can't imagine. Yeah. This is not just for dating. It's for friendships, too. If a friend doesn't support your goals or listen to you, they're not really your friend. (laughs) Agreed. All right. Let's find another good one. Oh, this is a really good one. They don't try to get along with your friends or your family. If they're not trying a huge red flag, but I don't have a red flag about that if they can't get along with them. Because I can barely get along with my family. So... I mean, that's true. Like if they're a liberal and your family's a bunch of Trumpers and they're like, I'm sorry, I can't mm-hmm. handle Uncle Todd anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. But also, <laughs> I, mean, I feel my friends are my family and my friends are more mm-hmm. are the family I chose. So if I was dating somebody that mm-hmm. didn't attempt to try to get along with my friends, that would be a huge red flag for me because my friends are awesome. and. They're also, I feel, extensions of me because I chose them, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Ooh, your friends don't like your significant other. I, okay, this is a weird line (laughs) I think you can fall into. Like, yes, it's a dating red flag, Uh but also sometimes I just don't like people. And it has nothing to do with how (laughs) you treat my friend. It's just sometimes I'm like, ugh, I just don't like that guy. It has nothing to do with the relationship. It's just that, like, maybe he and I don't vibe together. Maybe he's a Trump supporter. I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it depends. I mean, like I said, if you're someone with a a broken picker, if you're someone who's easy to manipulate – 
your family and friends are going to be really looking out for you. They know, they can see that you're in a position right now, a point in your life where you're easily manipulated. So they are going to come out hard and strong and protective of you. However, if you're in a place in your life where your picker is not broken and you, you've, you've stopped the pattern of choosing bad guys and you've gotten really good about choosing good guys, and yet there's particular people who still don't like him, Sometimes we have people in our life who love us, but who unfortunately project mm -hmm. their own issues on us, on our lifestyles, etc. So I would just monitor that situation as well as you can. Yes, I agree with that. And you know what? I have been that projecting friend probably at some point in my mm -hmm. life. <laughs> I'm 98% sure I have, but... I definitely try not to be, but, and, and I have projectors in my life and I, it doesn't mean I love them anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like, you know what? You still have more of a journey to go on. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would be wary of that. But if you think your picker is broken, then listen to your friends and family. And if it's like, here's where, you know, it might just be one person. If it's just one person that's like, well, fuck that guy. I don't like him. When the rest of your friends are like, mm -hmm. actually, he's kind of cool. Um, yeah. But if all of your friends and family are saying we don't like who yeah. are with him, then listen to that. Yes, I completely agree. That's a great rule of thumb. And I, I remember one time my last traumatic relationship, my mother who, I mean, everybody knows I have issues with my mother, but my mother said to me, you're becoming a person I don't recognize and it's not a good person. <gasps> because of my whoa because of my significant other at the time and uh -huh. that hit me really hard and, and we broke up probably two days later wow when your mom recognizes that and she told me like there was just mm -hmm. behaviors that you never had before that mm -hmm. alarmed me mm -hmm. i was like that's interesting so listen for when people say stuff like that to you not just like Fuck that guy. He, you deserve better because you're cuter than him or whatever bullshit we say. Yeah. That, that's a good point. If it's a superficial comment, then ignore it. But if it's something along the lines like, I see you changing into somebody else that I no longer recognize and that I'm not even sure I like, that's something to take to heart, which is what you did. Yep. All right. This is an interesting one. You always text back right away, but they take their time to respond to you. Um, <sighs> comments? Because I, I don't, I don't necessarily take that as a red flag. Neither do I, because I'm a busy person and I don't necessarily text back right away. I might get back to you in a week, and it's not anything mm -hmm. anybody does. It's just that, like. And I know it's not hard to send a text message. It doesn't take that much time out of your day. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when I'm at work and I'm piled in paperwork, I don't have time to sit there and text you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's like, hey, I need your help. I'm, you know, being, I don't know. I just had my house broken into and I could really use your company here. Then I could see that being an issue. Yeah. But if all it's something along the lines of, hey, did you want to go see that movie next Tuesday? And it doesn't require 
some sort of immediate response. I say be patient. I know I myself, my one of, you know, one of the qualities of my ideal guy is that he is an ambitious person. Ambitious people tend to be busy. Mm -hmm. So I certainly don't expect an immediate response back to a text. Same. And I don't expect that with my friends either. I feel that if you constantly control the way people are texting you and you're like, well, you haven't texted me back right away. I think that's manipulative mm -hmm. in itself. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I, I totally believe that. Yeah. And I mean, granted, if like there are certain situations where it's like, I need you to be a little bit more communicative and they can't be, then obviously that's okay to consider that a red flag. But I think the constant, mm -hmm. like, why didn't you text me back right away? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I would say monitor the situation, but also texting or maybe we're older. Maybe it's because we're not Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Maybe. I need a Gen Zer to tell me if like, because I feel like Gen Z, most of their relationship is over technology anyway. They don't like spend time with each other. I don't know. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, then I can see why an immediate text is warranted, right? Because if that's the only way you you talk or connect, then mm -hmm. yeah, I can see there being a dependency for an immediate text. Yeah. But if that's not your relationship, if you guys are two adults who are in an adult relationship, you don't necessarily need to be in that constant all-day communicative uh, relationship with each other. And honestly, I think that gets boring because then what do you have to talk about in person? Yeah. And then also we just talked about codependent relationships. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if you're demanding that the other person be there at your beck and call, that you're just opening up the doors for a codependent relationship and y'all are going to end up hating each other within a few years. Oh, yeah. All right. This one I like. <laughs> they get jealous when you spend time away from them. I have never dated a guy that does this. Neither have I. I couldn't handle it. And I know I wouldn't like it. To me, that would be a tactic for manipulation I, and control. And I, it worries me when I talk to women who actually think jealousy is a compliment. It's not. It's not a compliment. This one's interesting. And I have this red flag. They never mm -hmm. talk about the future with you. Oh, I don't know. It depends on how long you're in the relationship. I mean, if you're a year into the relationship, y'all should be talking about the future. But if you've only been dating a few months, even six months, I think is too soon to be talking about a future. I just don't. And I don't even talk about my own future. Like I'll maybe talk about my goals. Like I want to go to law school soon. So mm -hmm. that's a goal, but I don't talk, I don't have like, I, and maybe it's not a red flag because it's just the way my brain works. But I don't have this mm -hmm. like, five-year plan in my head where it's like, all right, I've met this guy. I want to be moving in within this time frame. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, whatever. But I mean, I, I guess I talk about futures and ways to make sure we have like where our goals are kind of aligned. Like, do we want to stay in the same? Do we want to stay in the same city? Yeah. Do we want to do this? Do we want to do mm -hmm. that? Like that type of goal. Mm -hmm. But I'm not like, well, do you want to get married soon? Because I don't even know if I want to get married soon. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i like i said it really depends on how long you've been in the relationship and um you know let's say the person is planning on moving you know within a year and they don't even address where the relationship's going to go when that person does move you know 
So I can't, it's like, is, is the person important enough to you that you are planning on including them in your relationship? So if I thought I was important, if I've been dating for somebody for a year and I thought I was important to them and then he's talking about, Hey, I'm thinking about leaving Las Vegas and moving to San Diego. And then we never even talk about how our relationship is going to withstand that. Or does he want me to move to San Diego with them or whatever? Yeah, that would, to me, that would be the clue that that dude does not see me as being as important to him as he is to me. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Cause you know, I dated a guy many, 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 oh God, 11 years ago and we're still friends. Mm -hmm. Actually, we're still friends to this day. And he was getting ready to move back home within six months. Mm -hmm. So we both knew that we did not want, I wasn't going to move with him and we didn't want a long distance relationship. So we both kind of like had this end date in mind and we had fun while we could. Yeah. Saying to me, that shows mutual respect. You both respected one another to be honest about where you're at in your future plans, whether or not that can include one another. And y'all just came to a nice negotiation on the ending of it all. I think that's great. That's the way it should be. That's, that's adult. That's being mature. Exactly. And you know what? Most relationships, you're not going to put an end date on them because you're playing mentally, you're planning a future with them, even if you're not talking about it or something, most relationships, you're not going to be like, well, on August 25th, like that's the last day we're going to be together. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, unless you're in high school and you guys are going off to separate colleges, I guess. Yeah, that's true. But you know, that actually is a mature conversation to have in high school to plan Mm -hmm. for college. And if you're if you can do that in terms of planning, whether it's an ending or whatever, why wouldn't you plan for sustainability or for a continuation of the relationship? So I think future talks are a good idea. I like that. Okay, this is my favorite one in the article. They don't have strong relationships with anybody else. Huge red flag. And I have unfortunately been that person to date those kinds of guys and to even marry that kind of guy because you then there's this thing about, you know, you then be one there it's your ego, right? Then now I'm the most important person in his world, Mm -hmm. right? So your ego is loving that part of it. But then especially with women, we tend to want to be caretakers and, you know, nurturers. And it's like, oh, I can help him learn to develop relationships. I can help him be a better person. I can fulfill the role that his mother didn't fill, that his father didn't fill, that, you know, whomever, whatever. Right. So yeah, I, I've totally done that. And it's a really, it's a great idea for the other person. The other person benefits so much from that, but you as the person who's the giver, it's, it's just going to make you miserable. It is. It will definitely make you miserable. Um, you know, I one of the girls that I write with, she wrote a piece and she said, there's a reason why um, the, the girls in my writing group, but mostly my friends are, mm-hmm. are all extensions of this too, because mm-hmm. I we attract what we are. Um, there's a reason why okay. we're all nurses and teachers and people who go into Uh, careers where we have to give and give and give and that's why we date the way we date too I was like Mm -hmm. dude you hit that on the head (laughs) 
Totally, totally. And again, that brings us back to the therapy thing. When you go into therapy and your focus is on yourself and then you extend those things that you've learned and the growth that you've experienced because of your therapy sessions and you apply that to your everyday life, you can get out of that pattern. But you don't even know you're in that pattern until you've, you're looking in the mirror and that's what you do in therapy. Yeah. I mean... I- you, especially when you're first getting out of something, you're spiraling hard and then you don't want to feel that spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have not wanted to feel that spiral so many times. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So then my last question, and I want us to get into a discussion about this is how do you know when to end a relationship? When, when you're just hating life, really. You know, when you hate the relationship, you hate the person, you hate yourself, you hate who you've become, you hate your day-to-day life. When you feel burned out, it's just like, when, well, how do you know when to quit a job? Well, when you start hating it, when you feel burnt out and when the relationship burns you out and there is just no joy and happiness in your life, get the fuck out of it. It can't be fixed. It cannot be fixed. It's dead in the water. Just go. And, you know, I that's that's the extreme case. But also, I've been in relationships where I knew they were going that way. And I ended it before it got that way because I knew... I'll, I'll, I'll explain this. So, my last relationship, I had brought up my concerns of problems. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what's not working for me. This is what I'm not getting from you. And it was a lot that I wasn't getting from this person. And his reply was, you're right. I've really been taking your presence for granted. And when mm-hmm. he didn't say, but I'll work on it, that's when I knew the relationship was not mm-hmm. going to work. When I expressed mm-hmm. to you, like, I need more of this and you can't give me more of that. And you're not going to even try to work on giving me more of that instead of like getting to the point where I am completely drained. It was just, all right, it's time to walk away. That is smart. And I am so freaking proud of you. That is the, and that's the mature way to do it. And that's the, again, that's the whole thing. You, you gain these skills from going through therapy is that before it gets to that dead in the water, I hate him. I hate my life. Before you even get there, you were identifying certain needs were not being met, met. And if they're not going to be met, it will go towards the the realm of, of hating life and, and no joy and no happiness, et cetera. So that's fantastic. And you're right. Identify it early on. And, and you remind me of, of the last, my, my last situation was not a relationship. We just dated, mm-hmm. but I did exactly what you did. I spoke my needs and his exact words to me were, I'm doing the best I can and I can't possibly do more. And that's when I knew it had to end. But I didn't know it was going to end. When I expressed my needs, and probably you too, I didn't go into expressing my needs thinking he's not going to meet my needs and then I'm going to end it. I didn't have a plan. Uh, My only plan was I need to express my needs. And in the moment that he said, I can't do more for you, is when I knew we were at an impasse and it had to end. Same thing with me. And in my current, um, the guy I'm currently dating, uh, we had that same conversation where I felt my needs weren't being met. And I, he was giving me as much time as he was giving me in person, but he mm-hmm. was giving me a lot more 
more time not in person. And then finally, when I said, look, I need your presence, not just mm-hmm. like, I, I need, I need you, you to touch me. I need, I need us to see each other more. Um, not just your presence technically, like on technology or phone calls or whatever. I need yeah. you to be here. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll work on it. I will try to be, mm-hmm. I will try to cut out more time for you. And I was like, Oh, Wait, they all yeah. did that too? Because I was going into it expe- expecting <laughs> expecting yeah. it to be like the last one and be like, well, uh-huh. right, it's time for us to break up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that one, I was I was ready for it. I was getting ready to like, I was like hardening my heart and I was like, my bags are packed. We're doing this. <laughs> the opposite way. But I remember when I, mm-hmm. the last relationship I ended, when I ended it that way, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't expecting it to end. I was expecting me to, mm-hmm. I was expecting it to be like the, the situation I just described to you. I was expecting it to be like, hey, yeah. I need more of this. And him being like, you know what, I'll work on it. But when he didn't say I'll work on it, that's when I was like, oh, okay, you're not willing to. And mm-hmm. if a guy's not willing to work on it, then A, don't waste your time, but B, they're they're probably not going to I, I hate to do that thing where it's like oh it's you because no it, and they'll do it for somebody else because I don't believe that I think that no I don't yeah I, I, no. I hate that bullshit I'm sorry mm-hmm. I think it's more of a they need to find somebody who's going to accept what they can give yeah and and like the last guy did it, he is a great man. Like if we did give reviews, I would give him five star Yelp review, right? My ex boyfriend, I would give him a five star review too. Great, amazing human being. It just comes down to an incompatibility when it comes to your needs. You know, he, he said, "I can't give you more." That doesn't make him a bad person. It makes him a better fit for someone. And I hate to put it this way, but it's the only way I know how to put it. it he makes him a better fit for someone who has lower standards than I do. And yeah, and I and I, I hate to put it that way, but maybe in another way. Let me let me put it this way he'd be a better fit for someone who has different standards than I do. Yeah. I get that. And that's, Instead of lower different yeah. standards. I, I, you know what? <laughs> I know one of my toxic traits is I put the standards that I have for myself onto other people too. And in my girlfriend, it wor- in my girlfriends, it works out very well because I mean, you've met my friends. You're one of my friends. I have a group of girlfriends who are all very successful, independent women. <laughs> That's just who mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. A lot of them are in relationships yeah. um, and they have partners who are just let them be the type A strong independent woman that they are. And that's the type mm-hmm. of girlfriends that I have. I don't have girlfriends who are type B and chill and like um, not go getters, I guess, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the men I surround myself with are the complete opposite. <laughs> but it's about attraction it is and I don't think I could date somebody like me but my toxic trait is this I will project what I want for myself onto somebody else like onto somebody I date it's something I realized and I'm not doing it in this relationship I'm well I'm trying really really hard not to do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I set such high standards for myself that I set them for other people without them knowing I've set the standard for them 
Well, you should still set standards for how they treat you, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You should have standards in terms of, like we just discussed, you know, our, our needs being met in a certain specific way. We have certain standards for that, certain standards for communication, certain standards for, you know, integrity and honesty, dependability. So I and think management. that's okay to have those standards. Yeah. But um, obviously, you don't want to set standards for another human being along the lines of this is how much money they should earn. They should have this kind of car. This should be their career ambitions. Um, you know, they should believe in this religion or not believe in religion. I mean, those kinds of things, you really do have to mind your own business. I agree with that. Um, religion is one thing that's weird for me. If somebody's like super duper religious, I, I can't date them. Yeah, you just wouldn't be compatible. However, you know, you certainly wouldn't push your standard on another human being oh, no. of religion. Like, you need to be yeah, on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the dark side. We're we have so much more fun. Like, no, I would never do that. You're right. <laughs> no, because I wouldn't ever put myself in a situation where I was dating somebody that I would have to say that to. I did once. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess in conclusion, guys, I just want you to know that I think I think the one thing I want everybody to take away from this is the second you see those first few major red flags, especially if it's at the very, very, very beginning. It's only going to get worse from there. Like, because within the trust, trust, trust. Pardon? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was Say saying trust the saying. red flags. Trust, trust the red flags. In- I completely agree with you. Trust your gut instincts too. But like if if there's that red flag right then and there, immediately, it's only going to get stronger and worse and whatever. Um, somebody who's willing to show those cards right away mm-hmm. when they're trying to be on their best behavior at the beginning of a relationship. Yeah. Imagine what it's going to be like a year from now, two years from now. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you have any final advice for our keepers besides therapy? (laughs) (laughs) Go to therapy. Um, You know, just be sure to look out for yourself. No one can look out for you the way that you can look out for you. Mm-hmm. And you will have brand new people pop into your life who act like they, they're going to look out for you. They want to look out for you. You don't know them. They are strangers. Don't trust them. Only you can look out for you and, you know, ask your friends to back you up, ask your family to be there, get some therapy and just focus on self-care. I love it. Yes. Get some therapy. Everybody should be in therapy anyway, period. I don't care if you're going through a breakup or if you're just living life the best way you know how to we all need somebody and on that note thank you so much for popping on laura i had all these questions like kind of planned out and then our conversation just went the way it went and um i think it was great so you're gonna have to come on again for all these questions that i prepped I'm in. Save those questions and I'll be back. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And you can find her on the There Are No Nice Guys podcast. And do you want to leave your socials and your blog and everything as well? Go to my website, thereareononiceguys.com and uh, fill out the contact form if you want to be on the show. Let me know. I'm I'm so interested in um, interviewing some more single women. And give your dating stories to her too. (laughs) Yes, definitely. That's what I want to talk about. 
give the horrible ones because I'm trying to, I mean, I did, we did, why did I date him for a while, but I'm trying to back away from it because I want like, I just want to like, I don't know. I don't know where I want to go with this, but I think I want to like, I want more like, let's talk about the intricacies of relationships, not the funny, terrible story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's what I want to go next. <laughs> so I would say my keepers pass your, uh, why did I date him stories on to there are no nice guys right now. <laughs> yeah, we will call those guys out on my show for sure. And I will listen and root you all on. All right, go to thereareno-niceguys.com to find everything Laura has to offer for you. And go to keepingitcasualpodcast.com to get yourself a sensuality workshop booked. Taught by me and MJ. She misses you all and she loves you and she will be back on soon. Until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.